Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Faith That Clings, preached on September 17, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 15. Faith that clings. Faith that clings to Jesus Christ. That's what we discover in this passage of Scripture, Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Here is a gospel story that gives each one of us great hope to come to Jesus and receive help from him. Look to Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. But there is hope in this passage. There is no excuse for anyone not to come to Jesus and receive great mercy, not only for oneself, but also for others, such as your own children. Jesus Christ was a Jew. He came to his own nation, Israel. Salvation, we are told, is of the Jews, not of the Samaritan, not of the Gentiles. Israel was the chosen nation. Canaanites were cursed people. Cursed be Canaan, we are told in the book of Genesis. Jesus came to his own, but John tells us, his own received him not. And how that is still happening in the church of Jesus Christ. They abandoned the word of God and put in its place their own word. The tradition of the elders. Jesus says in this chapter 16th verse. You nullify the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right in his prophecy. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus, we see in the 21st verse of Matthew 15, because of the unbelief, of his own people leaves Israel and goes in a northwesterly direction to the Mediterranean coast of Tyre and Sidon. This was the first and only foreign travel in the ministry of Jesus Christ. That he left Israel and he went to the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon that never belonged to Israel. Elijah, remember, he did the same thing when the Lord directed him to go to a widow at Seraphath of Sidon. When the chosen nation refuses to hear the gospel and be saved, Jesus commands his prophets to go elsewhere. Remember Jesus said once, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, meaning who needed help. Yet Elijah was not sent to any one of them, but to a widow in Seraphath in the region of Sidon. 
the bread is for the children. But when the children of the chosen nation refuse to eat the bread, Jesus goes to the Gentiles. Let me tell you, there is always somebody else who will honor the word of God and be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul said in Romans gospel is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first but also to the Greek. But the Jews of Pisidian Antioch refused to listen to the gospel Paul preached. He said this. We had to speak the word of God to you first since you rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles. When the Gentiles heard the gospel, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. To the Jew first, but also to the Greeks. Abraham was chosen, and through him the nation of Israel was chosen, that all the families of the earth, that is, Jews and Gentiles, may be blessed. So Jesus arrives in the region of Tyre and Sidon. And in Numbers 13 and verse 29, we read that this particular region was inhabited by Canaanites descendants of cursed Canaan. Canaanites were a cursed people. They were the enemies of Israel for 3,000 years. Yet a Canaanite woman comes out to Jesus crying out loudly seeking his help. Long before Jesus arrived in this Gentile region, he was known there as Savior. You read the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3 and verse 8, we read, When they heard all that Jesus was doing, many people came to him from the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Yes, many Gentiles had heard of Jesus and had gone out to Israel to Jesus to be healed and to hear the Gospel. But now Jesus is coming to the region of the Gentiles, thereby showing that God loves Gentiles also and that he is their savior too. So first of all, we look at the need of this Canaanite. Let me tell you, nobody is going to come to Jesus Christ until that person realizes his need for Jesus. A Canaanite woman coming. Jesus helped a Samaritan woman. We know that from John chapter 4. A Samaritan woman who did not directly seek his help at all. But he had told her that salvation is of the Jews. And then he revealed to her that he is the Messiah. And she believed. And many others in Samaria believed and were saved. But here is a Canaanite woman, worse than Samaritans, from a cursed tribe, a descendant of the enemies of Israel. She comes out crying loudly. 
She heard of Jesus. She heard that he heals the sick, cleanses lepers. He casts out demons, calms the storms, feeds the multitude with very little bread. She heard that he is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the King of Israel. He is mighty in word and mighty in deed. Well, you see, she is supposed to hate him. Every Canaanite is supposed to hate him. Hate not only Jew, but here is the king of the Jews. Oh no, something has happened to this woman. Her little daughter was demon-possessed. What does this mean? A description is given in Mark chapter 9. In reference to a boy who was possessed of a demon and was brought to the disciples of Jesus Christ and they cannot cast out demons and Jesus finally did. And the father of this demon-possessed boy describes the condition in this manner. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He forms at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. He often falls into the fire and into water. We know that demons are real, devil is real. And demons and devils are interested in running the lives of every unbeliever. And he comes to steal and kill and to destroy. That is the singular purpose of every demon and every devil. Demons can possess a person and twist his personality to destroy him. And it could be there is there may be people here who are demon-possessed, whose personalities are twisted. But I offer to you Jesus Christ, who alone is able to cast out demons. This Canaanite woman's little daughter was possessed of an evil spirit. No one could help her little daughter. You remember that these people worship Baal. You remember Jezebel who married Ahab and introduced Baal worship into Israel. I'm sure this woman went about seeking help, calling upon Baal. Baal help us. And no Baal can help in the casting out of demons. No one can help. I'm sure she went far and wide. Seeking help for this little girl. But then she heard of Jesus. Faith comes by hearing. And she believes Jesus alone is able to help her. And she rushes to him. And let me tell you all unbelievers. Are under the power and rule of Satan we are told. Dead in trespasses and sins. Every unbeliever, every moment of his life is doing the bidding of Satan. Paul says that. Jesus Christ said every unbeliever is son of the devil. Now let's look at her faith, the faith of the Canaanite woman. She calls him Kurios, Lord. Well, that sounds very nice and that is proper. But the question is, woman, do you understand what you're talking about? She was used to calling Baal Lord. That word was used in reference to Baal worship. 
she comes and says, Lord. And then she says, again, very theologically proper, son of David. Son of David is the promised Messiah of Israel. And son of David is the destroyer of Canaanites. <laughs> so what do you mean when you call this Jesus Lord? Do you understand what you are talking about? Are you honoring him with your lips when you are not believing on him with your heart? As a lot of Christian people do, they think that you are a Christian because you made the right confession and live like a devil and the church is growing by leaps and bounds. They don't understand that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord, the redeemer of the universe, redeemer of his people, that he rules and reigns and he owns you. That you are to serve him if he is Lord. You are not Lord. You know, easily we can say, oh, Jesus is Lord. But the moment I say one word, one word of discipline or instruction, all of a sudden, the resistance comes out of people who said Jesus is Lord. Doesn't mean anything. Jesus is Lord. Is he Lord of your life? Does he rule you? Do you imagine and think and speak and act for the glory of Jesus Christ? Lord means Savior. Do you understand what you are talking about, woman? And you said, son of David, this means king of Israel, the promised deliverer. Do you understand that? And then she says, L.A.S. on me, have pity on me. Well, I think that is also theologically absolutely correct. Merit is not the basis of my coming. Not merit. I'm lost and I'm undone. I deserve nothing but pity and mercy. I was reading Spurgeon. He said, you know, a person, a wretched person came to his home and he gave him shirt and pants and shoes and all that. And, and he put that all on and went out. And Spurgeon thought to himself, I just destroyed this man's livelihood because who is going to give him anything now because he looks nice. And so after 15 minutes, he went out and he happened to see this guy and he already took everything off and he looked miserable again. And he makes the point, if you want to get something from God, you must come to him in your wretched and pitiable condition. Don't drive a Cadillac and say, give me some money. In other words, if you want Jesus to help you, come with all your ugliness and misery and lostness, confessing that you are a sinner, that you deserve nothing. But oh God, show pity to me. That I'm a Canaanite. I was an enemy of you. I deserve nothing. I'm not from the chosen Israel. I'm a filthy person. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God... How many people will come and impress God and say, ah, I really deserve something from you. 
And I ask, how is everything? Mom, why don't you tell what is really going on? So that you can receive grace. God gives grace to the humble. Have mercy on me. That was pretty good prayer. And then, of course, if you analyze her prayer, it says, please help me. Help me, please. And not only that, she will not shut up. She was crying out continually all the time she was there, crying out. She repeated this, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Help me, please. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Help me, Lord, please. Son of David, have mercy on me. I have a problem. My daughter is demonized. Nobody can help. You can help. And with all this crying, let's look at the trial of her faith. There is absolute silence. No place in in the whole Gospels you find this type of cold treatment given out by Jesus Christ to anybody. Absolute silence. He did not even speak a word, the text says. Oh, you know, what we need is a word from his mouth. How we long for, please, please open your mouth and give me a word. He came to his own and his own didn't want to hear the word. They are happy with the traditions of men. But let me tell you a word from his mouth. It is spirit and it is life. When your elder is mum and your pastor is mum toward you, you need to wonder what is going on. It is a word. It is the word of God, but there is absolute silence. In other words, Jesus Christ was trying her faith. Do you really mean that I am Lord and not Baal? Do you really mean that I am the sovereign Lord of the universe? Or I am one of the many lords? Silence. The door is closed. And she's knocking and knocking and knocking and kept on knocking, but the door is closed. He went in and closed the door. That's trying. That adds to the pain of God. He refuses to listen to me. He refuses to say one word. And so what did she do? She went to the disciples and began to bother them and said, Please tell him. I'm in great need. Nobody else can help me. Nobody else can help me. You come and have a little prayer. And then you are angry at God and say, Well, well, you treated me with uh, Nothing. You didn't give me husband. You didn't give me wife. You didn't give me job. You didn't give me the houses I wanted. You didn't give me anything. And you've been anger. Walk away. But not this woman. She could have walked away. Proving that her faith was not genuine. And she runs after these disciples. Please, please intercede in behalf of me. To your master. And the disciples came to him and said, please. Send her away. It's too much noise out there. 
And we came here for some rest and some, some peace and some tranquility. We came here for some time to be with you before your death on the cross. And this woman is kept bothering us. I'm sure the, the woman probably thought in this manner, Jesus, did you not say, come unto me? All those who labor and are heavily laden, I will give you rest. Jesus, did you not say, if anyone comes to me, I will never cast him away? Didn't you say, anyone who hungers and thirsts, come to me? Silence. Silence. Oh, painful silence. And then he spoke and he says, again, no. Send to anyone else except the lost sheep of Israel. In other words, you are not elect. Your nation, in other words, is not elect. Again, it's the no. Verse 24. No. Man, not only the first no, there is the second no. And then he says, it's not proper to take the bread that belongs to children and give it to you. Tough, cold, cruel, hard. It seems the treatment of Jesus of this woman. And not only that, then he says, I will not take the bread. It is not proper to take the bread of children and what? And throw it to dogs. Well, let's see children. Israel, you dogs. And I'm sure by now some of us will be really fuming because we are a people of self-esteem. We like people who will make us feel good about ourselves. Isn't that? I thought that was interesting. And a lot of preachers today we have, you go to them, they, they make you feel good about yourselves. And here he, she came to the greatest preacher and prophet and king and priest of the world and he makes you feel lousy. Dog. That's what you are. You are not children. You are not chosen. You are Canaanite. You are worshippers of Baal. You are contemptible dog. This is serious business. He didn't make her feel good. He, he is trying her faith. If you are really believing, you will agree with everything I'm saying. Oh, this is not unusual. God has in the past tried the faith of other people like Abraham. God called him when he was 75 years of age and promised that he will give him children and nations and kings. 25 years, nothing happened. But we are told Abraham grew in his faith. He did not waver and, and he believed that God who promised is able to perform it. Or look at Jacob, you know, in the 32nd chapter of Genesis. 
in the night. I believe God came down wrestling with him. <laughs> and then the angel wants to get out. And he says what? I don't let you go. Unless what? You bless me. Or look at Ruth in the book of Ruth. Let's turn to it and take a look at that. The book of Ruth, Naomi gives her all the opportunities to get out. Look at Orpah. She was given this freedom and she was so glad she kissed Naomi and left. And now Naomi says, see, verse 15 of chapter 1, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods go back with her. That is trial of your faith. Here's a girl who doesn't want to go. And Naomi says, we don't want you to come with us. Go, go, go. That's trial. But the faith of Ruth was tried and proved to be authentic. She says, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God, where you die, I will die. And there I'll be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If anything but death separates you and me. That's real faith, isn't it? Or look at the situation of Bartimaeus. You remember Bartimaeus? Blind Bartimaeus? And Jesus was passing that way. And Bartimaeus was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people said, shut up. Who cares for you? Filthy, blind, wretched specimen. Who cares for you? Shut up. Jesus is Lord. He doesn't care for you. He's busy. He has to go. But the more they told him to shut up, the more he cried out. Let me tell you, if your faith is real, then you will cling to Jesus Christ. Cling to his word. And Jesus stopped, called him, what do you want me to do for? I want sight, and he was healed. Oh, she came through the trial of her faith successfully. Look, nobody can Stop her mouth. Nobody can stop her mouth. All the negatives didn't stop her mouth. She kept on crying out, crying out, crying out. In the Greek, some of these verbs are in the imperfect means. She kept on crying out, kept on worshiping, kept on. We'll never hear and know. Because she believed. That's the first thing. Faith's mouth cannot be stopped. It ever cries out to the Lord. Number two, faith, if it is authentic, agrees with the word of God that says you are a sinner, dead in trespasses and sins. You are a dog. You are a Canaanite. You are unrighteous. You are filthy. You are lost. You are miserable. You are wretched. And real faith will tell that's exactly right. 
That's the description of me. Others will get angry and pout and go away. Because they are looking for a pastor and a preacher who will what? Make you feel good about what? Yourselves. If you are an elect of God, you will want to somebody to make you what? Feel pretty bad about yourselves. Spurgeon said this, Jesus raises the dead. Meaning, if you are not acknowledging that you are totally depraved, that you are a sinner in your mind and emotion and in your will, you are totally lost, Jesus cannot help you. Because he is in the business of what? Raising the dead. The man who clothes himself with his own righteousness can never have Jesus Christ raise him from the dead because he is not dead. And not only that, number three, yes, you argue with Jesus Christ. But make sure your arguments are mighty. And we see this woman arguing. She didn't know the Bible enough. I could have given her a few more points because in the 87th Psalm... Verse 4, there is a prophecy that Tyre will receive blessing from the Messiah, as well as Egypt. She could have pointed that scripture out. (laughs) You know, it's already promised in the Old Testament. (laughs) Or she could have said, you know, remember Elijah. Remember, he showed up in this area because of the unbelief of your own people, and he did good. To a widow here, not only by multiplying her bread, but also raising her son up to life. But look at the mighty argument. It's when you read this same story in the Gospel of Mark, it says, Children must first be fed. She said, first means what? There will be a second. You see. That's what faith does. If there is a first, then there is a second. Jesus did not say, I will not help you. And then she used this uh, modern day argument, which is what? Animal rights. (laughs) She agrees that I'm a dog, but dog must be fed. Not only that, Jesus Christ himself didn't use the word dog for the wild dog, but the word he used is the pet dogs that dwells in the house, plays with the children. And when others are eating, the pet dogs are under the table. That's mighty argument, isn't it? Even the dogs are eating the crumbs that fall from the table of the master. This means the dog eats at the same time as what? As the master and children. Mighty argument. And then she says, I don't need a whole loaf. What I need is what? A crumb. A crumb from the hand of Jesus Christ is more than sufficient to meet our every need. But the truth is he never gives us crumb. He gives 
to us himself. Hallelujah. Yet she says, please, I only need a crumb. A crumb is all I need. Oh, dogs, yes, but we belong to the master. <laughs> dogs, yes, but we live in the house of the master. Dogs, yes, but dogs must eat and do eat from the crumbs. Mercy, not merit. And let me give you some understanding of what great faith is. The faith of this clinging faith. And examine your own life, whether this is so. Let me tell you, some of your faith is the first no. At the first no, what would you do? Pout and walk away. But authentic faith perseveres. Remember Jesus said, great woman, great is your faith. Now in the 14th chapter of Matthew, you, you remember Jesus called Peter by a name. What is it? Oligopiste. Little faith. Mr. Little faith. Why did you doubt? Great faith never doubts. Never doubts. Number two, great faith. Never focus on the circumstances. Never. Great faith is always fixing. It's I on Jesus Christ. Even when he says no. Great faith is found where we least expect. And in the book, in the gospel, we find it in two places. One is a centurion who was not a Jew. And the other is this woman, a Canaanite person. It's amazing. Great faith finds in strange places and it is absent in Christian homes where Christian children themselves, quote-unquote Christian children, they hate it. They hate the word. Well, let me tell you, if you hate the word, it simply means you are not chosen by my heavenly Father. That doesn't mean somebody else will not accept it. They will. Great faith is found in strange places. Not necessarily in the church, in the gutter, in the Tyre and Sidon, among the Gentiles. Many children of Christian parents reject, while children of unbelieving parents believe with all their heart. Pastor, tell me about And if it is real faith, great faith perseveres in seeking the Lord no matter how many times he says no. Spurgeon says about this very important Great faith sees light in the thickest of darkness. And he is right. Because when you read this in the Greek, you find three no's. And she converted that three no's into a yes. That's amazing, isn't it? And great faith prays great prayer. It is passionate prayer. It is emotional prayer. It is wholehearted prayer. It is prayer until it is granted. And great faith gives delight to Jesus Christ. It ever cries out. He asks you, 
Do we have such great faith? Are we pouting? Are we angry? Do we have such great authentic faith that sees light in the thickest of darkness? Or are we only have temporal faith that looks for blessing in this world and if I don't get it, I get unhappy and miserable and pout and go away? Do we intercede like this woman for our children? You see, this woman loved her little daughter. And we don't know what happened to the father. Maybe he died. Maybe she's a widow. But here, this mother is really crying out. Let me tell you that you are not doing that. No matter what you tell me. It is a terrible thing to see your children going to an eternal hell, and yet you have no feeling. You ought to be crying out to God, oh God, have mercy upon myself, my daughter, oh God. I will not let you go unless you bless me. I don't pray for money. I don't pray for anything else. Salvation, that's what I want. Do you intercede? Some of you ought to be doing this and, and yet become arrogant. And I see the stubbornness that is wretched and shameful. When we ought to be humbling ourselves and falling prostrate before God. And crying unto God and say, God, save my children. Let me assure you, such prayers Jesus will not Go unanswered. And we are interested in our own comforts. And our own happiness. That we can get in the temporal world. And with great grief. And great passion. I counsel you and plead with you. To be like this woman. Who cried out. For the salvation. Of her little daughter. We have a Jesus who said what? Come unto me. And he will answer your prayers. He delights in it. He delights in great faith. Try it. Purpose. Determine. Get on your knees. Keep praying. Keep praying passionately. Day in and day out, keep praying until that child is what? Is saved. You will be the first one who will be filled with inexpressible joy when you hear from some far place, when you get that telephone call, Mom, I last night received Jesus Christ into my heart. Oh, you will be excited, isn't it? You'll be filled with joy. And that is a greater joy than all the joys this world can give you. May God grant you and grant me great faith that we can pray and intercede and recruit others like she did. She recruited who? The disciples. All disciples. Please, please. For 
You know him, don't you? <laughs> You've been with him all these years, please. My daughter is foaming at the mouth, convulsing. And finally they came, please send her away. And I have a message for you, children coming from Christian families. It is true, the chosen people, that is chosen as a nation, he came to his own, but his own what? Received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God. There is always somebody is receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. There is always somebody being taken out of hell and placed into the, into the heaven. There's always. I, I feel sorry for you children that you've been brought up in a Christian home, but you treat my Jesus Christ with contempt. But let me tell you, you have no idea what is going to happen to you. You see, Christians today, they don't believe in heaven or hell. The only thing they are interested in this is in the life in this world. That's it. But there is a hell and there is a heaven. Be very serious, children, mothers and fathers. But you call yourself a Christian father and a Christian mother. You must cry out to God, oh God, do I have this faith? If not, I'm going to get on my knees and cry out to God in prayer until he gives me faith to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Hallelujah. Think about it. Think about it. Don't pretend that you are a Christian unless you have fear of the Lord ruling in your life. Unless you have freely accepted the yoke of Jesus Christ, which is light. Unless you love your God when you are alone and love your God in your home when nobody is coming. Unless this love is birthed in your inside by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Nobody knows, Father, Mother, when my God will call you. Our times are in his hands. But soon it will be evident. There will be a distinction made between God's people and those who pretend. Cry out to God, Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That honest, heartfelt prayer, my God will never reject. Yes, he will try our faith. He'll be silent. He will speak harshly for the specific purpose that you have Faith may be tried and proven to be genuine. Salvation is the work of God in your heart. If it is taken place, then you will love your God and pray to your God and obey your God with great joy and delight because he has saved you from the wrath of our God. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I pray for children. I pray for fathers, 
who are not saved. I pray for children who are not saved. I pray for mothers who are not saved. O God, have mercy upon them. Grant them, O God, a spirit of prayer that they will cry out to God, that they be saved. Lord, those who have demonstrated arrogance, I pray that you oppose their arrogance and bring them down, that they may fall prostrate and ask for mercy. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.